It's the Listen In Podcast with Jake and Sean. A very dramatic reading this week. Yeah, I, I, I foregoed the welcome back um, just for a demonstrative. It's the Listen In Podcast. Very important question for you, Sean, here to quest you. Question. Sure. To start the show. Is the past tense version of the word forego, foregoed, or forwent? Oh, that's a great question, Jake. Uh, right after this break, I'll answer. No, we don't have sponsors. We're not taking a break. I will say... We are not monetized. <laughs> in any way. No. I will say it's probably, I, I think, foregone. But it's foregone probably... Foregone would be the different... That would be like a different past tense. I mean, like I like what you just did. You said, I foregoed that. Right. Would it be... For, I've never heard someone say forewent. No, I, just I haven't don't know. either. I, I rarely hear it. In the past I would tense. say, still, just go with the forego because I, I don't think people would know what the fuck you're talking about if you if you said it the other way. It does feel weird to hear the word goad, though. Yeah, yeah, little grammar, listen in grammar cast. That's really what we strive to be, other than music, which is sort of our secondary thing. Secondary, we're, we're grammar very secondary first. to grammar. Uh, so, Jake, let's dive in here. We have a couple news items. One of them, I think, is pretty major. Yeah. Uh, Pine Grove have resurfaced after almost a year hiatus. Yeah. Um, they have announced that they're putting out their uh, second full-length album, Skylight, uh, on September 28th. They're putting it out independently, not on Run for Cover Records. And on top of that... This was all announced on or in a big Pitchfork piece kind of feature on the band and everything that they've kind of gone through and what their last year has been like and some more details surrounding what caused that hiatus. So there's there's a lot to dive into here. There um, is. I would like to know what your thoughts on all of this are, Jim. I think it's especially interesting for a couple reasons. The, the piece on Pitchfork, it was quite long. Yep. It was, I think very positive in terms of the way it depicted Evan Stevens Hall and Pine Grove as a band, their philosophy on music and life and the way he generally approached. I think there was some healthy criticism of the fact that the wording of their message from when they went on hiatus about sexual coercion and the use of that wording and the use of the sort of, uh, I think he described it as dissonant language in uh -huh. that, in that message. Does it seem like he really stands behind that language specifically anymore because yeah. i think he knows it was sort of confusing yeah and maybe um confused more people than actually helped clarify yes. anything and which to be honest like I, I was pretty confused this entire time i'm like what does that mean like what happened so i guess it was good to have some more details around that situation agreed um i think it was also positive really quick because um we found out that pine grove is not gone forever right it, like you said, they're going to be releasing the second album. It also shed a lot of light on on this Sheridan Allen character from Punk Talk. Yeah, so based on some other stories that I've read about on Reddit or have seen on Twitter or Inside things like sources, that. Inside sources, exclusive to the Listening Podcast. <sighs> sort of. Uh, it sort of seems like she, this, this Sheridan person is kind of a bad like kind of a uh, bad bad actor in all of this does that is that fair jake based on the details that this story kind of brought yeah. to light and i think I, I think it is fair to acknowledge that i think it was written by jen pelly jen pelly yes who definitely acknowledged openly and several times throughout the article that she is a pine grove fan she like pine grove meant a lot to her yep i think there was a fair balance in there um, but certainly this did not depict Sheridan Allen in a positive light, and it it really showed 
that she seemingly was pretty manipulative and was i think the the, the sort of read i got is that she was sort of power hungry yeah. and that she was intentionally using like sort of either unsubstantiated or barely substantiated tips she got about potential sexual misconduct as a way to, in her own words, bring down... T- take down, yeah. Take down. Yeah, um, certain bands. Certain bands, and, and who- that she even acknowledged openly in letters to the band yep. or emails to the band communications, like, kind of jokingly, like, I'm taking down, like, the biggest indie band yeah. in, or emo band in the scene right now. And this is all caught up, too, in the work that, that Punk Talks does in providing... Uh, free mental health care to people who are in bands and it seems to me like there there's been miscommunication about like who is fit to give kind of therapy to people or maybe her presenting herself as a licensed therapist when in fact she's not and there's lots of different details here that seem to this seems to be kind of the missing piece that we didn't have maybe a year ago was like oh the whole reason why this came to light was because of this third party. Like, the person that Evan was in this relationship with didn't want any of this to come out, and this Sheridan person took it on themselves to make it public and to make it her own issue. I think this is in some ways sort of the ugly side of this movement, the sort of Me Too movement, as many have called it, like, as it is manifested in a scene like emo or like in DIY... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it feels as though there are people who have used it in a manipulative way, in a way that is not really actually about making people better, but is sort of a power play. Yeah. And it's sort of clearly like the way it sounds here is that this was dangled above the head of, of Evan from Pine Grove and sort of as like blackmail almost. Yeah. And that, and that the person who made the accusations or the claims didn't even ask for this to no, happen. No, didn't want it. Didn't want it out there. And these accusations were also brought up to festival organizers that Pine Grove had signed a contract to play with. And this person was like, I didn't get a good vibe from this. I felt kind of bullied by the interaction of them telling me that this was happening. So you're right. It is kind of the dark side of that. And uh, it really undercuts like that movement, I think. And people who... like are affected by those situations it doesn't really help help things to to have that manipulative behavior happening a movement that again i think it's it's important for us to restate that we are both i think very much in support of definitely absolutely without a doubt yes you know support victims of sexual misconduct and sexual abuse to come forward and to open some dialogue about that um you know but with any movement like this or any sort of sort of stand that one can take in a social justice way there are ways to manipulate it there are ways to abuse it yep you know i think i want to sort of toe that line carefully but i think that it feels to me and you know this was written by a woman the woman writing the article and i thought was done with a pretty even hand yeah and it certainly felt like the takeaway was that that's sort of what happened here yeah and one of the interesting things that i wanted to bring up and discuss jake was the reaction to all of this so we we follow quite a few music writers on twitter um i think we're pretty plugged into the conversations that happen about this whether it be offline online or wherever um and i thought it was very interesting 
that some of the writers that we follow didn't really they were kind of hedging their bets. They didn't they didn't say one way or the other if they were like I'm all for this and I'm excited for the new album, it's going to be great. They didn't say like oh no, we shouldn't accept them back in. It was a tentative toe in the water of like I'm going to comment on this without saying very much. That being said, I did see some outright criticism of this article. Let's hear it. Where people said, um, you know, I don't think this article or this conversation should have been broached while also being an announcement for the new album. Like, yeah, I was that's say- fair. I was saying, I was seeing that people were saying there's a well-written piece. I, I think it starts the conversation that needs to happen. However, the fact that it's saying, you know, Skylight out September 28th, you know, left a bad taste in some people's mouths, which I, I can understand. I I personally was a little bit surprised to see that all wrapped up in, in one announcement or one piece. I was thinking maybe there'd be this initial piece and then maybe a day or two later, you know, there'd be the announcement or maybe the album would just come out or, or something. Um, so I can, I can understand that criticism. I think it is a fair, it, that certainly is fair to say that to turn what is, you know, a complicated, nuanced um, story into kind of a glorified announcement. PR piece? People, yeah, I, like I, press I, release. I saw other people say this feels like a PR stunt. Yeah, a like a press release. Um, and, and like, I, I get that. I mean, I just was reading Stephen Hyden's tweet about it. He said that it, it, it feels like this story doesn't clarify much. I, I thought got, it did. I gotta say that... And that's if, what I mean about it was a tentative, like, I'm gonna comment without saying much. I gotta say, like, I mean, in a story where there was already so little evidence, I, I think it certainly brought to light a whole lot more about what the situation was. Definitely other layers, yes. Yeah, I more think context. It, it made, yeah, the context much clearer, it made the sequence of events much yes. clearer. It, I will say, in fairness, it is written with a heavy, heavy hand toward, like, it, it, right. it, it, it slanted toward Evan. It's yes. slanted toward Pine Grove. Yeah. Like, I think that there's some attempt at a balance there. There is. I do think it skews positive. I agree, and I I actually respect the piece for so obviously taking a stand and basically saying, like, you know, you should kind of just welcome them back with open arms. It's really interesting that that's the tone the piece took because I was seeing a lot of other feedback, the, the alternative... Uh, actually ran a poll and it was saying lots to think about with this pine grove story what's everyone's thoughts on are you okay with them um the options were like yep totally fine excited for the new album second option was not totally sure yet the other option was like no definitely not it was like 33 percent yes totally fine like 42 percent not sure yet another like 30 32 percent of no, definitely not. It was really interesting to see that the majority still needed more details and clarification before having an opinion, and that it was so dead split the other ways. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It, it's complicated. It, it seems like the intention or goal was a clean resolution. Like, oh, this piece is going to answer everything, and it will be good. Album's coming out. Let's forget about it. It doesn't seem like a lot of the, or at least a majority of the scene, or the people who follow Pine Grove are maybe necessarily open to just a 
forgive and forget kind of thing. Well, it, on top of being a, a thorough reporting of like what went wrong, when and where, how is this maybe not as bad as people thought? It also was sort of a reporting of like their acts of penance in a way. I know. It was like the different things they've done. They're yeah. like, look, they, the victim asked for them to take a year off from touring and from making music. They did that. Yep. You know, the victim asked for this and that to cancel all tours. They did yep. that. Like they're, they're releasing this and donating all proceeds. It, it, it feels very much like they're like, look, we're going to keep making music. Part of the story here is, look, we're, you know, this is not, we're trying to be above board here. Yeah. We're trying to show like what we did to yep. make up for this. I can see why it reads disingenuous to some, but I think I gotta say, man, it, it, it is. Just, and I'm generally a cynical guy. That's a yeah. cynical read. I think yeah. in some ways of like because you can mistrust anyone's intentions. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like every impression I've ever gotten of Pine Grove and what they're about is sort of what um, you know the author of the piece gets, which is yeah. that they are they. They are well-intentioned people who, yes. who you know, maybe there were there were mistakes made. There were yes. things they did. Everybody, that everybody makes mistakes. Could have been rectified. Uh, I, I'm gonna plant my flag here and just say that I definitely skew more towards the. It it seems like Evan realized what he did wrong. It seems like he's done as much as he can to make the situation better. Seems like a really smart guy who's aware of the whole situation and the nuances of it. And is looking to just be better and to to go about his life. Maybe this piece wasn't handled in the with the most care, but I think it was handled with a lot of care. And I think it is a really good read. And I came away from it feeling better about the situation than I had previously. To be honest, there was no way, no way that this wouldn't have been met with some criticism. Oh no, absolutely, zero percent no. chance. So I think like if you're Jen Pelly in this case, you. You gotta just put it out, and, yeah. and like, because if it's clearly a story she believed in, because yep. it's a thorough and yep. long piece of reporting, like yep. it's a long story, um, and it's detailed, and yeah, like yeah. they, she really went into lengths to, you know, find email records and yeah. like figure out what's the storyline here. Um, you know, I was Ian Cohen tweeted out that you know whatever you think about this, like you should read this as a piece of journalism. It's really well done. Yeah, it is. And so I, my question is not like while it, parts of it could have been hit, like again, like announcing the album. That might come out a little PR-ish. I do think it was handled pretty, that, pretty that's well. That's what I'm saying, too. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, too. So, and I'm kind of on board for this album coming out and think that, like, that's okay. If that makes me wrong, fine. I would like to know, like, why or or what the reasoning would be. Because, like, from everything I read, from all of the facts that have been presented to me, seems like, okay, like... Yeah, we can. You can release music again, sure. Like, well, it's like I, doesn't seem like you're bad people. Well, and that's again where it, it sort of is a confusing thing because it feels as though fans of music and writers about music think it is their role to be sort of arbiters of that and say like, okay, that's kind of what this reads like. It's like, all right, you this band has been allowed back in. Like, you're allowed yeah. to. You can make music again, and it's sort of it's this weird thing where it's like, well, really they. No matter what you did, you could make music exactly. again. Exactly. Unless you're behind bars. Yeah, like, it's very true. And even then, you could put out a tape yeah, from, like, from jail. Right, maybe you know? people won't listen. Yeah. Maybe people won't care, or maybe yeah. people will actively resent you for doing it. But it's sort of, it, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I think it's interesting to me that there is this sort of permission culture. Yeah, I think, it, I think the, the term that's been hot today is restorative justice. Yeah. Is, is the term, that I believe. That makes sense. Uh, 
And people are asking, what does that look like in these situations? How does it differ when the situations differ? Because this sexual coercion, quote unquote, situation that we're dealing with is a lot different than an outright assault. Um, so yeah, it's how do you handle those two different things? What does it, what does restorative justice look like, or is it even possible? And to and to be clear, it doesn't sound in any way like this was assault or like he's even being accused no, of assault. Exactly. Um, right. It sounds like the the very different. Yes. And and one thing I was thinking that's interesting earlier is the idea of how much the culture around rock musicians has changed. I know. In thirty years, yeah. even twenty years, like the idea that this person used their their sort of clout or yep. their position as a way to contextually right. coerce someone into sexual activity, that notion in the 80s, it's like, I mean, come on, this is the guy from Pine Grove. He's not Slash. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like or like Axl Rose. Yeah, it's just or Steven like Tyler Motley we're Crew. About. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not fucking Vince Neil. Right. This, this dude is by all measure a, like a meek, quiet, sort of like intellectual dude. Um... And again, like maybe he abused something there, but it. I, and I'm not even saying pro or con. It's just yeah. like it's so interesting. This is a dialogue that never would have happened 30 years ago, and in many ways, it's good it is happening. Well, I think it is good that it's happening, and it's a credit to the that scene that values that so much. Where it's like, no, we're not going to stand for any of this bullshit. Yeah, right. You know, and I think that's great, and I think that's one of the reasons why I like a lot of artists in that scene, and I like that scene in general. Um, and the article said itself, you know, Pine Grove, they're like, we care about victims. Like we want to be part of this conversation. Like we have always stood up for all of that stuff. What I would value. And again, I think, you know, there's obviously there would be no pressure on this person to do that, but I I would be very interested in in hearing the side of the story from the other angle. I would too. Seeing what the, you know, the victim in this case or the person who, levied the accusations in the first place what they have to say about the story or about you know their side of it and do they forgive him for this do they well yeah so jen pelly reached out to to whoever this person was they declined to right to, i to saw be involved that. and to be honest with you like from the beginning it didn't seem like this person wanted, wanted to. any part of no. any of this and i don't blame them for wanting to just be like no i'm i just kind of want to put this behind me and yeah, forget I want nothing it. To do with I'm it. sure this is like a painful, very, very painful thing um, to have kind the, of be a, a, a public drama. Then I guess what I'm grappling with is this, which is it, at what point... So if you don't accept this, right? And yep. I think that it, it yep. certainly feels like you and I are both leaning towards accepting this. Definitely, yeah. And taking it in stride and, and sort of, you know, well, accepting Pine Grove. Yeah. Um, being willing to listen to their music. For those who don't. Yep. What what what's the yes. measure that it takes? I w- I would like to know that because the victim said like I'd like Pine Grove to take a year off from touring and for Evan to kind of go to therapy and assess like what his role in this was. He did all of that. If if that was the request, he's done it. I think that should be enough. Yeah. I don't see where because that 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 cuts both ways. It's like you. You, as a bystander, can't then say, oh, no, that's not enough. Like, you're not in that situation. You have no say. So I, I would be interested in, in understanding what else needs to happen. Yeah, what's the threshold you have to What meet? is that? Yeah, I, I don't know. And I think that is a lot of what all of those people have said, though, on Twitter or online today is 
I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what the restorative justice process is, but I don't think it's this Pitchfork article that kind of promotes your new album coming out. I think that's what has been everybody's criticism. It's is it's like okay, it's a start. It's a start of a conversation. Yeah. It's certainly not the be all end all. No, which I think is may, may, probably fair, and I think it's a conversation that does need to continue. But does that necessarily mean that Pine Grove? can't release their new album or be a band while that conversation continues i don't know i don't know I, and i would like to hear the other perspective on that yeah because it feels like it could be an ever-moving target that's right and like what the sort of i think risk there is is that any accusation or any you know sort of um possibility of an accusation that comes out turns into outright shunning i yeah. think that's dangerous for like for uh the, the, you know the discussion for the for the, right. for the idea of having this be a conversation right. and have people figure it out the notion that an allegation comes out about someone you know they react to it how they will but we shun them forever musically otherwise yeah. that to me is not a solution well I, I think a lot of that stems from we want to make sure victims are heard and support them so much that if any accusation comes out, our best way to show our support and to do this is be like, well, fuck this band. And like, oh, I'm writing them off completely because I support victims and I want them to be heard and I believe them. And that's incredibly important, but I think there's a distinction in a nuance between listening and supporting a victim and completely writing off... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is there's there's a lack, I think... And I don't know what the right path for that is, though. That's, that's the whole thing. That's why I think on net I liked this article because I think it gets us more toward yep. the gray area that's so sorely missed because you have people yep. on one side who, as soon as any shoe drops, as soon as anything happens, fuck that band, fuck that person, yeah. they're scum, they're, they're not worth redeeming, nothing can be done to fix their reputation in my mind. Right. No fact or anything. That's, and on the other yeah, side, there's yeah. there's people who are way too far the other way. Exactly. And there's not... I think what I like about this is that it does introduce some more middle ground. A little bit yep. of like, hey, look. Like, yeah, maybe something went wrong here. But we can't allow ourselves to become so fucking bifurcated yep. in thinking. And just like... I know. It's either this way or that it, way. Because that's not how life works. It, it can't be, especially with this conversation. Because it's so nuanced. And it is so widespread. And... It's across generations and and race and and economic status. It, it happens everywhere all the time, and there are different levels of it. Happen. I mean, we're seeing it play out in the Supreme Court nominee right now. Yeah, you know, and we've seen it play out over the past year with all the other stories about this. You know, Bill Cosby just got sent to jail mm -hmm. today uh, or yesterday or whatever yeah. it was, and it's like, wh where are the different levels of this, and how do we handle it? We're not close to being there yet, but we're at least asking those questions and having those conversations right now, which is more than we can say that we did even five years ago. Is this... And I don't know how much notice will be taken of this article on a larger scale yeah. outside of music people, yeah. music writers, music thinkers, or whatever. Is this kind of the first article like this? Well, I'm trying to think that, of another. That, that's a good question, and I think your question of will anyone take notice of this outside of the scene, pretty yeah. much... You could say the same thing about other things. It's like, have has there been like an esports controversy that we don't know about that right. has been covered extensively in that 
bubble, but we just haven't heard about it? Maybe. Um, I would say that if anyone's going to lead a, a discussion about this happening in the music industry, I'm not surprised it's Pitchfork. And Pitchfork's a pretty big entity in and of itself. I, I wouldn't... I, I don't think there's more than this out there probably that that has this nuanced of a discussion about this maybe not that's what i'm saying and i wonder whether i mean it certainly feels like it's gotten a lot of notice in the scene and by Big people time. who who sort of are into music writing the, i mean this went viral on my twitter feed today it, like yeah my, granted mine's tailored to me your excuse toward music writing however it was a lot of people were talking about it in my feed today so yeah i mean i i think that it's really interesting and and overall i you know I'm happy to see any level of nuance with the discussion because yeah. I think like too, too many issues, we don't learn anything right. if we if we become black and white and entrenched in views. Right. And I think there is definitely a right side of this debate. There's no question of that. Right. But there's like... Well, is there though? I, I'll challenge it. I, again, we're The debate both... of sexual assault? Oh, oh, I thought you meant the Pine Grove one. Because I think... The reason no, why I mean, like in the, okay. the larger debate about what oh, should, if, about how sexual there's a clear handled, yeah, yes, there's a clear answer. There's right, a clear right, right and wrong. In this case, though, I don't know that there is, and the reason why this piece is able to exist and this conversation is able to be happening is because it's a gray area. Yeah, in a way, right? Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. I'll be very interested to see how this new album is received and discussed. And talked about by the wider music consuming public. Say it comes out Friday and next week sometime it gets a best new music. Do you think people's reaction then becomes the fix is in here? This um, was a and, and and as a second question, do you think that's even possible? Because I sort of don't. That it's gonna get best new music? Yeah. Uh, I think it's very possible. I think it would be a dangerous move on their part in I some agree. ways. It's a risk. It's a risk for both for Pine Grove and for Pitchfork, I think. Because I agree. Because the reaction to, oh, how convenient, Pitchfork prints this apologist yeah. piece about you and your music and your approach to life and what happened with the sexual misconduct. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you're getting an 8-4, best new I music. I know. Ah, that's, that's really tough. What do you think it gets? Because it could definitely happen. Like it could it could be best new music. What I'm saying is it probably is of the quality to do it, but I think politically and it, so many reviews are are dictated yeah. by that politics. I think they play it safe and they give it. Can would it be in bad taste to introduce a uh, an emergency over under guess here, Jake? I think we should do it. Emergency in terms of like we add it to our year long list of over unders that we've been keeping for pitchfork scores. Yeah, so the the number would be if we're talking best new music, the number would be eight two. Um, I'll take the under. So the thing I could see happening is this gets an eight or eight one no best new music. That's what I'm saying is I'll take. I think that might happen. I would. Okay. Yeah. So we'll put it at eight two. Yeah. You'll go under. Yeah. I I agree with you, but I'll 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 ride the over here i think it's unlikely tell you what can you give me no 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 we're not moving the line no no no. can you give me eight two as a win for me doesn't have to be over no let's just do the over under so if it hits eight two nobody wins yeah i guess that'd okay. be a push okay all right fair enough fair enough 
we'll go Jake under Sean over. Uh, okay. Well, and the other question is, will they even review it? I would, I would think so. If they're running this piece, like, yeah, why wouldn't they? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's like part of my question is like, how do they even handle it? I, I think they'll just review it. I really do. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and to like, it would be kind of a ballsy move to just go like straight, like best new music on this. It would be. Yeah, it would. It would. It would. Uh, okay. Jake. Other news item here, a little bit lighter, uh, a little quicker as well, is Rashida Jones and Ezra Koenig just welcomed a child into the world. Yeah, what? so so this was news to me in a couple ways, Sean. Uh, it was news to me, one, that they had a kid. It was news to me also that they were dating at all. Say, me too. I did not know that. No, either. So I, I saw this, I'm like, whoa. That's but co- doesn't it make sense in a way? Yeah, that's a cool-ass couple. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I wonder what the music discussions are like in that family because you got yeah. Quincy Jones, known Beatles hater, yeah. father Oof. of Rashida. Maybe this whole next Vampire Weekend album is like a statement against the Beatles. He's like, oh, <laughs> maybe they're non players, man. Maybe it is. I just I, that's it, it's fascinating to think about. It is. Uh, I think we'll probably have a little bit more to say about Vampire Weekend uh, later on in the show. Yeah, when we, when with we have the our larger discussion. Uh, let's do a quick hot thoughts though. Joyce Manor, one of our favorite bands, Jake, put out a new record this past week called Million Dollars to Kill Me. Uh, this is the follow up from 2016's Cody. Uh, Ten songs, 22 minutes. What are your thoughts? Um, I think that it's a consistent outing um, from Joyce Manor, and that while I probably will end up liking it less than Cody and less than um, Never Hung Over Again. Uh, it is, as I said, consistent, and I think that it is. It's really pretty good from start to finish. Like I, I, Joyce Manor, to me at least, is this band that kind of they're going to pretty much hit a double every time up to bat. Yeah, like they're they and they deliver on what they're going to get on base. Absolutely, and I, I'm kind of with you on that. This where I don't think it's as good as Cody. I don't think it's as good as Never Hung Over Again. However, I think it's very consistent throughout. It's a pretty quick and easy listen. You add a few more songs that are going to become Joyce Manor canon, or they're going to be songs that they play at live shows, whatever. And we were having a conversation the other day about Joyce Manor, where it's like, they've put out their classic, they put out Never Hung Over Again, they've cemented their spot in this genre's pantheon of great albums. It's okay for them, for every two years now, put out another 20-minute album, you know, have some more songs that people enjoy. Like, for example... I think the stretch of the third track, Big Lie, to I'm Not the One, to Million Dollars to Kill Me, kind of right in the middle of the, the record, is the strongest stretch there. See, I'll go even further and say that I think the stretch from Fighting Kangaroo all the way on down to Silly Games okay. is like, that is fucking solid yeah, as hell. absolutely. Especially on more recent listens, I've been liking those songs. I think that, you know, they kind of tread some familiar water with Friends We Met Online. Yeah. Up the Punks is not... Up the, the Punks is actually, I think, the best song on the back half. Okay. And I, I, I do really like I've that I've been song. enjoying Wildflowers, too. See, I think those last two tracks are where I'm like, okay... Not a whole lot here. I do really like Up the Punks, though. I think that's a great song. Friends We Met Online is most where I feel like they're like they're channeling a Joyce Manor I, formula. I agree. I would um, agree with that. But I think that, you know, whatever it is, one, two, three, four, six tracks here to open the album. Yeah. Really solid. Like, Silly Games sounds like the, the production on it and the sort of backing vocals and the bells in it kind of reminds yeah. me of, like, 60s bubblegum pop. Yeah. Or, like, even kind of like girl group 
production, like the sort yeah. of those Motown bands. That's a great point. It's an interesting approach. I, I have a quick kind of compare for you here, Jake. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Okay. So this Joyce Manor album, it's not, it's probably not going to be in our top 10 for the year. Yeah, but it's still, it's, it's still, it's very, very solid. Depends though, man, because again, like I think it could be one that Sneaks is just in constant you. rotation. Yeah, I know. Like I'm not so going to stop listening. To. 22 minutes. Let me, let me throw out some other albums here for you, Jake, that have come out this year that I think we've kind of felt the same on that aren't going to be like top 10 material, but we still really like them. They were solid. Do you think Million Dollars to Kill Me is better than the new um, Hop Along record, Bark Your Head Off Dog? Ah, uh, wow. I, oh, yeah, I think it is. I, do too. I Well, I I, I'll do put too. it this way. I'd rather listen to it. Agreed. And I would say that, as it, I'm sort of embarrassed to admit, I never found a great rhythm with that Hop Along record. No, I, as I, didn't, a listener, I didn't quite either. I never locked into a groove. How about the Camp Cope album? How to socialize and make friends. I like this album a lot more than that, yep. and I actually think that the more I look back at that album, I, th- I think that album was a little disappointing. Oh, I, I would agree that with that. Can- How much have you gone back? To uh, that? never, not once. Like, haven't gone back. I think that we talk about formulas. I think the Camp Cope thing got kind of blown up a little bit with this one because they I, I, there's uh, a couple again. Of- I think music writers were late on the first record. And they clamored to make up for it with this one. I think how to socialize and how to make friends. The fir- that that opener or and the opener. Sorry, the opener is the best song on there, bar none. I actually my favorite song is how to socialize and make okay. friends. That's okay. my personal favorite. I think that song is really cool. The opener is great too. Yep. Other than that, I thought a lot of it was forgettable. I would have to agree with that. And I have t- I have two more for you okay. here, Jake. These might be a little bit harder. Vundabar, smell smoke or. This new Joyce Manor record, dude, was that Thunderbar album this year? Yeah, doesn't that feel like another lifetime? Oh my god, I know that can't even be yep. true. That seems like no, it, it is, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it was like February, um, February. The, the Thunderbar album's. Better. I think it is, and the last one I have for you, Jake, is Jeff Rosenstock post. <sighs> Talk about a different lifetime. Yeah. Um. And God, because it's going back to January. Yep. I think maybe post is a little better. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably right now. Yes. Yes. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. I haven't listened to Post in months. No, I haven't either. I would. It'd be interesting to go back now. Yeah, it's Very certainly really good. Yeah. Whenever, honestly, I have a bunch of songs from that on my best of the year playlist. Whenever they come up, I skip them. Oh, now. I do too. I don't think Jeff Rosenstock songs, especially the ones from Post, work great out of context of the album. There are there are a hand, there's some from Worry that I'll listen to out of context, but the best one Post of, worked best as a, a complete unit. In my opinion, the best out of context from Post is nine out of ten. I I can listen to that yeah much yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely that's like a nice little absolutely pop song. uh okay jake let's get into our, our larger think piece discussion here um last week we teased this when we were talking about blonde by frank ocean and how well that album has aged for us since it came out in 2016 um so we wanted to do a larger conversation about our top five albums uh that have not aged well and another five or handful that have aged well. I so we, say, we both have Blonde on our list already. That That's a cemented given. Blonde has aged incredibly well. By the way, before we get into this, and before you make your point, can we agree on a definition or loose definition of what aged well or not aged well means? That brings I think me to, that's important. That brings me to a couple of my points. Okay. One is that I didn't preen my list back to five. I didn't know necessarily we were doing it. I didn't really five. either. I think this is 
going to maybe just be more of an interesting conversation. Okay. Um, my definition is that there kind of isn't a specific one. I think helpful that, for the listeners. No, but here, but let me elaborate a okay. little bit more. Um, is that I think it can be any, a number of things from, I think especially production feeling dated, like the yeah. sounds of the yeah. the way the instruments are recorded. Okay, feeling dated. Um, or I think there might be some here where it's like lyrical content comes yep. across as a little dated. I noticed that I think more in yep. your list, but maybe I'm just interpreting yep. it. Um, I think I see one where I think that's the case. Um, in terms of not aging well, yeah. I think in terms of aging well, it, it for me it's it's usually an album that predates a sound that came later, or in some ways predicts trends in music. Yeah, that way when you uh, listen five years on, you're like, this sounds or I, ten years. I agree with all of that as being parts of my definitions. I would also just say an album that you used to really love, but for whatever reason, it could be a combination of all those things you just said just you don't want to listen anymore you don't like as much and it could be for a number of different reasons and there's some i want to bring up that that has definitely happened with that might be a little bit surprising how do you want to do this do you want to go back and forth a little yeah bit? let's just throw some out here so like i said do you want to go have not or have first uh let's let's talk about the haves because we both have blonde on our list yeah um that's a given blonde i didn't actually rank as my favorite album of 2016 that was actually bonnie Vare 22 a million I would amend that list now, and it would be Blonde by a long shot, actually. Yeah, I don't remember what I had at number one, but I... You had Blonde. I think it might you have did. been Blonde. You did. You were correct from the jump. I, I mean... I did have Blonde number two, but... Uh, <laughs> there's no correct. I just stand right. by... I, I, I would change mine. That, I would change mine. That is where I'm at now, um, too. Let's, let's start way in the past here, Jake, because yeah. I, I think it's much easier for albums, classic, quote-unquote classics to maybe not age as well. Um, here's one that has, though. It's the White Album by the Beatles. We both had this on our list, and when we did our, our Beatles-centric podcasts uh, over the past couple years, we've always said, ooh, the White Album has aged incredibly well for us. That's the one we want to listen to now. The, of the Beatles records, the ones I included on here are, are Revolver and the White Album. With, what is it about these? So with the White Album, particularly, it's that they try so many sounds, they try so many things, and they do in a way that is not as rooted in 60s psychedelia. Uh -huh. they, tr they make just like good rock songs that you can't really date. I mean, you can date it a little bit by the way it sounds in terms of like, yeah, it sounds like... Excuse me, it was recorded a while back, but like right. these songs aren't they're not products of their experimentation. Right. And and I think as something we'll discuss later, some of that experimentation does end up coming across dated. The White Album comes across as timeless because yep. their songs like from the tradition of folk, from the tradition of blues, it's stuff that people will have been playing for decades mm -hmm. in one way or another and will continue to keep playing yes that's what it is for the white album for me yes yes there's very little on it that speaks of like okay like we're really giving into the trends of the day yeah exactly no i i would completely agree with and that i think and what do you what do you think about revolver i think revolver is similar where i think that they you know with some of their later experimentation with sergeant pepper and magical mystery tour you listen to that and you're like okay these are psychedelic records with revolver yep. there's elements of that and they're trying little weird things Different instruments, French horns here and there, like back, experimentation with backwards guitar. Yeah, I to my ear, none of that ages particularly poorly, and I right. think it still sounds pretty cool. And, I agree, and and modern. Um, and the songs are really, really there to a 
201. I, I would completely agree. And in jumping off of that Beatles point, another one that we both had was Ram by Paul McCartney yep. on here. So Ram was one that was received poorly by critics, definitely. What was the fan reaction to that? Do you do you know? I, I think early McCartney records were like... My my impression was that they, like any Beatles-related project, sold pretty sold. well. yeah. But what happened with Ram was... I think the the sort of the critical dialogue of the time of the early seventies was this weighty thing about what music really meant, mm-hmm. and I think that's right. why John Lennon fared so much better in the seventies right. because he's doing like primal scream therapy Plastic and shit. Oh no. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he's doing stuff that like it's really ripping himself yes. up from the inside out and bearing his soul. Paul yeah. McCartney is writing Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey. Yes. But this stuff predates what ends up sounding like indie music now. Well, and, and I think there has been a, a flipping of the script on pop music. Uh, there's been the poptimism movement of, the, of this decade where it's like, oh no, pop music actually has value and matters. And I think people have looked at Ram through a different lens. And I think the older Paul McCartney gets... The more we realize, oh, this is like, you know, one of the last two living Beatles, we can maybe rewrite history on what we think of his catalog. That being said, the songs on Ram do just hold up. They're, They're awesome. great. They're so good. It's a fun album, and I think it has, like, the style of album that it is has aged better than people thought it's not as self-serious as a john yep. lennon record but i think it benefits for that in many cases so, yes yeah I, I like that's one that for me has definitely aged well another couple mm-hmm. i have here um not going back as far but uh that have aged well and i think you would include them on your list too is is okay computer and kid a I, yeah i had i made a By note just head. like all the Radiohead yep. has basically aged really well. I do have a note in the have-nots when we get there, Jake, about a specific Radiohead album that you could maybe sneak in there and make an argument for. Maybe. I think you have you have one in there that I would argue for a different one, but we'll, okay. we'll get to we'll it get when there. we get to it. We'll but I think, there. so with OK Computer and Kid A, the case for me would be um, Kid A still sounds futuristic to me. They, they, main, they figured out sounds digital and otherwise that, like, there's such an interesting blend of you know um the the digital and synthesizer sounds along with with live instrumentation that i think still sounds live today oh yeah a lot of those turn of the century radiohead albums still sound like the future okay computer and kid a still sound as uh, like if you release those today those would still sound fresh they sound like what's the futuristic dystopia we're still heading toward Yes, we're in the early days of it. Yeah. We're not quite at what the, those Radiohead songs are talking about. Are predicting. But we're getting there. We're absolutely getting there. It really feels that way. Um, so moving through time a little bit more, Jake, if we get to the 70s, I think pretty much all of the um, Stevie Nicks era uh, Fleetwood Mac has aged incredibly well. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac now has become like... Uh, just a staple. I, I feel like 10 years ago, they were like, oh, n- they're not as serious as X, Y, and Z from this era. Now they're looked at as like the standard that those artists need to meet. And I think the kind of the synths in an album like Tango in the Night did a lot to influence new wave sounds and sounds that are 
happening now in indie and electronic music. It all kind of hinges on where the discourse is at in terms of what, how much music critics care about authenticity. Right. And right now it feels like we're at least in, still in the era where the idea that you must be authentic is still not very important. I think in the right. 70s and 80s, it was still pretty important. Right. And the idea that you would use synths was still pretty controversial for a while. Um, I agree completely about, about Fleetwood Mac. I think that stuff has aged really well because it is so well produced. Yep. And I, I haven't listened to Tusk and Tango in the Night um, to the extent you have, but... You know, that 70s stuff, I mean, rumors, God, that, like, yep. it still sounds fresh now. And that stuff still gets played everywhere. Like, there's people our age and much younger that are playing shit off of rumors, and they're playing Rhiannon, and they're playing, you know, all these greatest hits from Fleetwood Mac. So, I think that has aged really well and has worked its way into culture now. I want to bring up a couple other 70s albums that I think age really nicely. Mm-hmm. Um we have I put Bowie with Low. I had that one too. That on this list that influences so much of I think the music that is coming out now. Absolutely. Just imagine hearing that in the time and yep. like this guy David Bowie who's written pop songs that have made major dents in the airwaves and have been like and he's coming out with an album that is half experimental ambient and half yep. experimental pop. Like right. the, the rest of that album is like the first half. I don't know. I go back and forth on which half I like better, but I think it's the first. Yeah. And I think it's actually kind of remembered for the second. Right. Which is what's interesting is the second half is all that. It's like Warsawa yep. and uh, Wishing Wall and those songs. The other one I have from the 70s is Who's Next by The Who. That, um, yes. I think that album, like, in in ways that would have surprised people. I mean, it came out, I think, in 71. That kind of defined, in a lot of ways, what a huge rock album that's not totally blues driven like right. it's not zeppelin it's not sabbath it's not right. rooted in metal it's not rooted in in the deep dirty blues right it's like a big anthemic rock record it still sounds awesome dude sounds like songs like uh bargain bob o'reilly and I it know. can't be understated how much townsend was doing with synthesizers do on that you album. think that um songs like baba o'reilly um won't get fooled again their place in sports culture or in or being the big payoff in like a movie or something i think that's helped a lot with it's helped but man i mean you can see why that became how those songs are used because oh yeah oh at the for time, sure imagine how massive these songs must have sounded in the early 70s i know yeah like it's it's almost unthinkable like i the the, the and it, it is a testament to Pete Townsend's genius, I think. Like, the amount he was able to build layers on these songs. And oh it was God. a work of genius. It was, like, tortured genius. Because Townsend, like, he would always really go for it. Right. And he would totally be, like, get lost in the sound right. he was trying to create. Right. Because there was abandoned... This was a product of an abandoned second rock opera. That's right. Yes. Lighthouse or something, Lighthouse, right? Lighthouse, yes. Yeah, and it was yeah, supposed yeah, to be... Yeah. And it's one of those things where you can tell it wasn't totally thought through. Because when he described it, he was like, he was supposed to describe, like, life and, like... Okay, From Pete. inception to the end or whatever. Like, yeah. it, it, it had, like, Jesus. these crazy, grandiose, ambitious things. Wow. Uh, I, I would agree with you, though. That, I think, is... And we'll get into this a little bit more in the have-nots. I think that's a Who album that has really aged well. I'll get into one that I think hasn't in a bit couple more 70s ones for you, Jake, here. I'll lump them together. I have On the Beach by Neil Young and Blue by Joni Mitchell. Um, I think both of these are so, so good. And I agree with you Joni 100%. Mitchell Blue especially it sounds as contemporary as ever. Uh, and I think there's so many artists that just owe a debt to her 
and and what that album was all about. And then, you know, On the Beach is, I think, a lost gem in the Neil Young catalog. Uh, I, I won't necessarily, as much as I love, you know, Harvest and... Um, Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere. Uh, yep, and, and After the Gold Rush and all those. On the Beach, I think, outstrips those in terms of listenability now. Yeah, it, it I think it's interesting, too, because that is one that's rooted in many ways heavily in blues but it gives it a timeless feel i'm not disagreeing with you man because i would i would agree that i think it belongs on that list um and yeah i can listen anytime in in blue Joni mitchell in general can only age well i haven't listened to a ton of her catalog but it seems to me um she was someone who was sort of overlooked in her time as a true genius speaking of true geniuses who are overlooked for their gender sean yeah um or maybe not overlooked in the time that much, but I think gets overlooked a little bit now. I think Hounds of Love by Kate Bush. Absolutely, man. Like, And so I, I, I sort of toss this one back and forth because I think it does fall prey a little bit to the 80s production thing. But I think she was pushing the envelope mm-hmm. on pop and, and sort of synthesizer sounds enough. Sounds, man, yeah. On Running Up That Hill, that synth sound yeah. sticks with you today. Like, it sounds as it, important. And, and dude, sort of how about the vital. whole second half of that album, which is this, like concept suite of songs about like this witch and like who who like puts you to sleep or something i don't even quite know what the story is it's but crazy. she basically was like i'm gonna put out like the like future pop of the 80s on the first half and then i'm gonna filter that sound through this lens of a concept album on the second half and i'm gonna make this thing that still sounds like nothing I've ever heard in the year 2018. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. It's an absolutely unbelievable album, and like having gone through a phase of it recently, I just felt like it should be mentioned for sure. Another 80s one, Jake, that I think has aged really well is Let It Be by The Replacements. A yep. lot of this has to do with uh, how prescient a song androgynous is. Um, mm, yep. And the lyrics there, just like, no one really cares. Like, we're all just, we're all just out here doing our thing, you know? Um, so I, I think outside of that though, the songs themselves hold up and I think the replacements and their sound can be rooted in a lot of, you know, the Joyce Manor and bands of that ilk that we listen to now. Without a doubt, man. Yeah. Like they definitely made their mark and I think are as important now in those scenes as like they ever have been and like people who make music like them. Yeah, have more of a stature, I think, like, than they did at the Absolutely. time. Um, this one that I have, it, it goes part and parcel, I think, with one I have in the have-nots, which is that I think some of the songs on Thriller, yeah. namely the ones that are massive, like yep. I think Beat It, Billie Jean, um, the song Thriller to an extent, even though it, like as good as it is, it's a bit of a novelty song. Mm-hmm. Like Those songs are timeless. Like The way they're produced, like it, they really... And I think to an extent, a lot of what's on um, the album that has Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, what, Off the Wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Belongs on here, too. Like, yep. it, it, you, Michael really did, like, help define what pop would sound like. Yes, um, yes. There's some, and we'll talk about it at Have Nots, There's I have some other issues with it, too. Okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, I have a few rock ones here for you, Jake, yep. that I, I think maybe when they came out, you could say, wow, these are way too hard on their sleeve, and maybe in five to ten years, you're going to be embarrassed that you loved this as much as you did. And the three all lumped together. I have American Idiot by Green Day. I have The Monitor by Titus Andronicus. And I have Worry by Jeff Rosenstock. I think all three of those, in their own way, 
are very earnest albums that in maybe other artists' hands could have been like, ugh, man, like, that's a little too saccharine for me. Mm -hmm. In different ways, they all nail it on, on each of their albums. Now, American Idiot, I think, is the one that a lot of people would be like, are you serious? Now, we've always been American Idiot we, stands. We though. have been stands for American Idiot. The thing is, I think there was such a backlash when we were younger to Green Day. It can't help but reverse back the other way. And there's so many people who are now our age who are like, nah, I fuck with American Idiot. That it has actually just changed the conversation. Because the people having those conversations now... Just love American Idiot. There's no more, like, gatekeeper who's like, no, that, that album doesn't matter. Like, we're the gatekeepers now. We can say American Idiot matters as a rock album. Yeah. So I, that, that's why I, I stand behind it and always defend it to whoever I'm talking to. I, I always have defended it, too. I Even back in the day when people, I mean, we were in middle school when it came out, and people's reaction was, oh, they sold out. It's like, dude... The notion that Green Day was ever anything other than yeah, right. a pop punk band, right? Like, dude, have you heard Dookie? They were my, the, my guy. Yeah, they had a song on the green, on the Seinfeld finale. Yeah, seriously, like Nimrod. Like, yes. dude, they never they never hadn't sold out. And exactly. like, I don't care about that. American Idiot, like, you know, it, it's, if its commentary is not as sharp as you think it should be, if the story doesn't hold together as well as you think it should, whatever, like, man. Jesus of Suburbia is on there. Fuck off. Yeah. yeah. It, um. And, and the Monitor, I think, an album that you know uses the Civil War as a backdrop for your own mental health issues, um, could be looked at as like, oh, you kind of overshot on this one. No, that album holds up like none other. It's better now than the first day I heard it. And Worry was incredibly prescient for the political climate that we're in right now. That was written before Trump got elected, and it was put out, like, right after, or, like, right when he did get elected. And so much of that album spoke to the disillusionment of being a young person in America, and still does, I think, to a, a, an incredible degree. They're all ambitious albums. I'll Absolutely. Say that for and sure. that's the thing, you know... An ambitious album has the chance to to not age well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll get to those in in a little bit. But uh, what are some other ones for you, Jake, that have aged very well? One worth sharing, I think that we both have on here is um, it's it's my beautiful dark twisted fantasy by Kanye. That, that like goes without saying. You yeah, have, you have to kind of yep. start and end the conversation with that because yep. like I think that that is like an okay computer of rap. I, I completely agree. Maybe more important to music overall. I mean, like that you could have a debate all day about that. Um, uh, Twisted Fantasy still sounds incredible. Um, it, it just it's so well produced. I don't think. I mean, to my ear, I, there's nothing that I think is going to sound really dated at any point about that album. No, I don't think so. I no. mean, it, it, like it, and and again, I think what really helps is if you really bring it with the actual songs, which is what he happened does. on Twisted Fantasy. Well, yeah, and I have a similar rap one from the start of this decade, which is "Take Care" by Drake, and mm -hmm. I think this is the one that really. It helped Drake explode in terms of his career. Uh, and when you listen to it now, you can see the framework for pretty much everything that he has done since then, this decade. So if you were to listen to one Drake, if you only had one Drake album to listen to, I think a lot of people would probably say Take Care. And for that reason, I think it's aged much better than any other album. Like this album sounds better now than Scorpion does, even though that was put out earlier this year. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I also added, I saw it was on your list, I added it to mine, um, Halcyon Digest. Absolutely, man. I listened, I, I listened to this one the other night. Oh my god. The, I, I, people don't talk about this album enough, Jake. 
No, I like to me. I don't know, man. There's something about the tone of this album yep. that I think they just really struck this perfect mix of melancholy, mm-hmm. lo-fi, but futuristic sounding. That is, I think, a, a, a thing that is done so well on this album is it feels all at once like a it was recorded in a garage or like yep. it, it's this sort of low production value thing that's endearing but it also sounds futuristic in a lot of ways like there's yes. cool synth sounds there's cool sort of like sampling going yes. on and at times even though it's it's a lo-fi album it can sound massive and yeah. worldly you know like yeah. song i'm thinking of songs like helicopter or so desire lines you know like that album does so many different things and does so many different sounds well. And I think caps off an era in indie rock where an album like that could be put out, could get the critical acclaim, could be incredibly enjoyable to a wide audience. Those albums don't really exist anymore. Right. They're much more niche now. Last one that I had, Jake, um, is Benji by Sun Kill Moon, 2014 record by uh, Mark Kozelik. This album, as I get older, holy shit. Yeah, Every year I get older, this album is going to get better and better. And the whole reason is because this is Mark Kozelik just talking about what life is. Do you remember the feeling of first getting into this album? I do. It was so I remember incredible. so specifically, it was like November of 2014. Yeah. Um, Listened to this on a whim in my old apartment, and I remember hearing specifically Carissa. Uh, I watched the film, The Song Remains the Same. Yep. And uh, Newtown, for some reason. Yeah, but that one really, song is great. Really, sticks out to me um, of that time. The, there's something about... And, like, I haven't loved the output from Sun Kill Moon since. I haven't either. It hasn't, this was lightning in a bottle. It hasn't been anything that's stuck with me. I think some writers do really like that yeah. stuff. It hasn't been anything that's stuck with me. I think... The level to which it's confessional and the amount of it rambling narratively mm-hmm. mixed with the melodic element of it, I think it's like the perfect balance mm-hmm. here. And I don't know that I've heard anything since that that achieves um, that balance. I, I, from, I've shed from tears to, to the song Carissa. Um, of course, dude. Like, like it, it, how like it's a perfect crying song. It's a great yep. crying album. Like it it, is. It, it, there's so much empathy in this album. Yes. There's so much like sadness. almost too much like human just humanity on this album yeah. that it like hurts so I, I that's never gonna get any any better for me um so like jake let's let's dive into our albums that have not aged well here we had talked about some ones from the the 60s and 70s i have a couple for you yeah, let's go back um sergeant pepper being one for for the beatles i think we both had this one as being one where where we're like obviously great yeah it it's an all-time classic however this hasn't been one that we've really wanted to listen to. I think. Well, I think there's a distinction between like even one I'm willing to listen to or want to listen to or that is great and aging well. And, and from in in this case, Sergeant Pepper, like I just think that the discourse of that era, the idea that this was this big, huge like revolution. The, oh, it's a concept album, yeah. and it's like they're like this fake band, and the, I think what ultimately is revealed with time is that there are other Beatles albums that have more good songs and better songs and ones that aren't prey to like sort of the novelty of the recording. And like, I still love Sgt. Pepper, but yeah, to your point, like I'm not going to listen to it as much as I'm going to listen to the white album or revolver. Right. And this has been a, uh, a take that we've been slinging for the past couple years, I think. Yeah, for sure. Another thing 
is is the doors. The dude, the doors. So I used to love just the doors in general, full stop. Yeah. Then I had it where I was like, you know what? I really kind of only like that first album. Now I'm like, that first album, other than a few songs, I'm like out on as well. I still feel like I would like it if I listened to it. It's it's definitely it's, just, it's not novel anymore. I, I think when you get into this, you're like 16 years old or younger, and it sounds cool then. But then you're like, oh, it's kind of surface level. This is what I'll say: is I'll always love the hits by the Doors. Yeah, I always will. Yeah, there's no denying. I think those are great songs. I don't know that. I mean, I think I would defend that first album in some ways, but like I've listened to L.A. Woman. I've you know I I never feel like. There's something that un- definitely schmaltzy about the Doors. There's yeah. something kind of like it the organ. It's like this goofy, like kind of. Is I it th- Jim Morrison? It's. It no, might be. I think it's. It the, might. I think it's the organ, like you're saying, and that yeah, like Jim Morrison isn't as profound as he thought right. he was. I think that or, that's a big part of it. As profound as people thought in the time, or and that's to be. Yeah. the same as Sergeant Pepper because, yes. like. For either of those things, like with Sergeant Pepper, people you dial back the layers years later, and it's like, well, yeah, it's a concept album, and like John Lennon actually like helped to tear down the legend yeah. of Pepper by being yeah. like, look, it's a concept album, but yeah. like none of the songs I wrote were about this concept. <laughs> okay, John, and, dude, that's what he would say, and he'd be like, yeah. it's Paul's idea, and I never liked it. He basically yeah. said that. Yeah. And with the Doors, it's like, yeah, at the time it seemed very profound. It, there's a time and place thing. It's absolutely true. And here's one that I think falls into that, Jake. This might be un- unpopular, but I don't think early Bob Dylan has aged that great. And I'm talking the strictly acoustic, yeah. like pure folk stuff, the freewheeling Bob Dylan, times there are changing Bob Dylan, like real protest song stuff. As albums, I don't think they've aged particularly well. I think there's certain songs on each that have have are, are still classics and I'll listen to I think as a whole it's a lot it's a lot of just Bob doing Bob you know I, I agree with that exact take actually and, and I have sort of in the past felt embarrassed about the fact that I never really felt like listening to freewheeling I, I had really... I had a great stretch when I was younger of freewheeling where I was like oh my god this is as good as his other stuff as I've gotten older I'm like no it fault like there's five amazing songs on there yeah the rest is does not hold up to his mid-60s output it just never struck a nerve with me but again like it this goes into like the aging well discussion it's of its time and at the time i'm sure it seemed like a revolution of what you could do with music mm-hmm. um for me what's much more interesting is what he started doing in 65 66 yeah um or or even early 70s early yes absolutely, absolutely. um but yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. I I think to continue, um, well actually you have one more in the seventies, so you can yeah go with I do. That. Um, or like, I actually, actually technically I, I, I late have kind 60s. of I have kind of a couple here. Yeah, they they kind of uh, bleed into each other. I have Tommy by the Who. We mm-hmm. just talked about Who's Next and how that's held up really really well. I don't think Tommy holds up well. I I think you disagree with this. I, I think you like Tommy more than I do. Yeah, like a lot more. Yeah, I would say I do disagree, and I, I, I don't think this concept album stuff from them's that interesting if i want to listen to a concept album by the who i'll i'll probably listen to quadrophenia to be honest with you okay i and and to be fair i haven't listened to quadrophenia that that many times with 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 tommy um 
and the reason why I can't say it, I, why I think it actually ages well for me is that I like it more now than I did when I was a kid. Okay. I when I listened as a kid, I couldn't get into it. I I didn't I didn't. I just liked the song. I didn't even give a shit that much about the concept or story. I just liked the songs better. I do sure. not respond to the songs as much. I I think I'm like oh. They're a little gimmicky, you know. Yeah, there's there's definitely some corniness there going on. Um, I, but I will say that I disagree, and that I think I think there's a lot of just interesting melodies on this album, and I think that like that can't be there. There are there are. And You're I, right. I have never personally given a fuck about the concept. Right. I don't care well, about yeah, right, that. And right. I think that like. Yeah, like, do I need, like, the interlude songs about, like... The, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, broken mirror. fuck all this. But it's like, they're usually, they're like, a minute long. They're yeah, 30 seconds. that's true, like, but it's like, there's a lot of them. Yeah, but I think there's some, like... <laughs> yeah. I think there's some classics on it, too. Like, look, if I... They, uh, this is what I'll say. If you're gonna stand for American Idiot, you, like... Uh, fair enough. You're absolutely... You're right. Tommy you're right. falls into that camp. But that's why this conversation's fun, Jake. Right, exactly. Oh, because no, I, maybe again, in another 10 years, American Idiot looks like dog shit to me. That's what I'm saying, you know? is it's all it about... It won't. What's... Spoiler, it won't. No, it'll be your favorite album. <laughs> right, right. But no, I, I just mean to say that, like, I, you know, I actually think Tommy... I, I might have agreed with you two years ago. Yeah, I okay. actually think I would have, but I had this little run. I, li- I, li- I like that, though. I like that you've had this run. Speaking of uh, concept albums, Jake... Yeah. Here's one. This might be sacrilege yeah, to a lot of people. Yeah. To you as well, maybe. Uh, as much as I like Ziggy Stardust, I don't think in the year of our Lord 2018, that is the Bowie album you're seeking out or being like, oh my God, look at this genius. Ziggy Stardust is kind of just like this glam rock 70s curio. In you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there... There's amazing songs on there. Let, let, let Don't get it twisted. However, do I think it, it resonates as much in 2018 as it did 40 years ago? Absolutely not. No, I mean, I'll agree with you on that. Uh, from the standpoint of, like, the idea of this alien and this band from Mars and the whole glam rock thing, that's never been anything that interests me about Bowie. I, I think that Ziggy holds up... F- on songs just alone. songs uh, okay and it's it's so strong in that regard dude five years moon age daydream the table dressing of all of this jake is the thing that like Starman. i hesitate with I, amazing songs yeah. amazing amazing songs um jake here's another one from me that i think I, I alluded to before when you were mentioning basically all radiohead has has aged well i'm not even standing behind this i'm just saying you could argue the Ben sneaks in there as one that hasn't quite still very good. Just that sound is not what we've a grown accustomed to from Radiohead and B what is in vogue now. What I would say is that the the easier argument to make is Pablo Honey. It is, but I think you could already just say, well, Pablo Honey doesn't have the songs, and yeah, well, I think the for- Ben's use the same template but had the songs. It's more. It's a hotter take. To say the Benz doesn't hold up, it's than, a than hotter. It's a hotter take. It doesn't yeah. make it a, a right take. Like I think, <laughs> like yeah, it's it's hotter, <laughs> much hotter. In that yeah. I think, like yeah, Pablo Honey, I think age is not that great. I think the Benz for in my for my money, I still like the Benz. That's a what lot. I'm saying. Like I don't even really stand behind it. I like to pepper in some of these like these hot takes, hot hot takes. Yeah. And I actually have a. I'm going to tease a new segment right now. I'm not going to do it this week, but next week okay. I have one called Half Baked. Hot takes. Okay. Where, I, and I think you saw the note in there of what this is going to be. I don't know that I even did. Okay, maybe you didn't. 
I'm teasing it for next week. Be on the lookout for half-baked hot takes where I have thoughts while I'm driving. I, I did That just I'm just like, oh, yeah, I could argue that. And I may, might not even believe it, yeah. but there's enough connections or pieces of evidence where I'm like, yep, I'm going to stand behind this. So stay I, tuned for that. I listeners. look forward to it. I just saw the note. I think the listeners <laughs> okay. also should look forward to it. I can't okay. wait to see yeah. how you connect yeah. those two things. I have lots of evidence for that. Uh, I, I'm fascinated and maybe there for it. I got a couple from the 80s from to- in totally different perspectives. Okay. One, Cloud Nine by George Harrison. I've yeah. always heard it's a late career gem from him. This is one that for me falls into the category of like I just can't get over the production on it. It just sounds way too mm-hmm. that that sort of overly slick, big booming '80s sound. Yeah, I too much. Some of the songs are good. Like I like got my mind set on you. Of course, the song Cloud Nine is cool. Um, the the tones that he's using on this it, it it very much screams to me like he's like look, I figured out how to use a couple '80s era guitar pedals. Yep. I'm all the way the fuck I, in on these. I want to be relevant. Like, yeah. I'm going to use like the first setting I yep. plug into. Yep. Which Absolutely. is not a charitable take on George Harrison. The other 80s one I put on here um, is all Joy Division for me because mm-hmm. in my opinion, like it's nothing to do with I got into it once and I have, I'm have i less into it now. It's that like this is they're supposed to be classic albums. I've never been able to get into them and I think that falls into the camp of you kind of had to be there. I would agree with that. We we alluded to that last week, too, when we talked about a little Joy Division. Um, another one for me, Jake, a couple a couple from the 90s, actually. Um, Pinkerton by Weezer. I mean, I was, I'm interested in this. So, I was hot and heavy with this album a few years ago. Yep. Uh, and I was like, wow, this is actually better than the Blue Album. This is my favorite Weezer record. As the years have gone by and I try and go back, I'm like, you know what? I, I actually think the Blue Album's better and some of the subject matter in Pinkerton is like, it it's it, it, it makes you pause. It's like, you're like, Rivers, what what are you saying here, my guy? Like, what what is this? And if you've heard Pinkerton, you know what I'm talking about. There's like creepy shit on there. Half like, Japanese what's that girls. all about? Yeah, like... That is that I it makes me stop for a sec. That's what I was alluding to earlier when I said I think I thought there so. might I thought be something so. on these yes. lists that have to do yes. with like maybe the subject matter doesn't age that yes. well. Yes. So um, because I think that the conversation had been for a long time that um Pinkerton has only aged well because yeah. it started off as a critical pain. Well, yes. And so and, and that one uh, for me was just kind of for me subject matter. A a subject matter and I only got into it after the fact so i only knew it as this under the radar gem um so i'm seeing it a little bit differently now the other 90 90s one i had jake was rage against the machine kind of in general does i don't i don't do them anymore so uh, yeah honestly too much i don't listen to them as much as i once did and by that i mean at all exactly um I still respect the hell out of them and like a, a, a well-timed Bulls on Parade or Killing yeah. in the Name or, you know, Sleep Now in the Fire, yeah. hearing those riffs yep. in the moment. But, but yeah, yeah, I think some of that comes with age and it's like, damn, I, yeah. like, I'm not always looking for the vibe nope. of like nope. these these riffs, nope. man, and like the, the pure Certainly aggression. not. Um, you know what you could actually put in here? And this is maybe on the hot tech side, hot yeah. take side of the spectrum. To go back to the 70s a little bit, you could say Led Zeppelin doesn't age uh, all that well. Uh, yeah. In a couple respects. Actually, one major way, which is that um, 
I'm listening to Led Zeppelin albums now mostly, and I'm like, I'll still acknowledge like one through four houses, physical graffiti for most of it. These are great, great albums, but like part of me is like, I can't quite channel what I once did with these. No, I can't either. The the enjoyment is more nostalgia than in the moment. And it's more muted. And like, dude, get the fuck out of here if you're trying to play like in through the outdoor. It like. No. Or even no. most of presents. I, seriously. Yeah. Ah, pre- presents? I'll still fuck with presents. Okay. Only because I'm like... Here's what I'll say. Yeah. With presents. That's what I've always heard about presents, is that people who are like... Nobody's fault but mine, Achilles' last stand, Great Jake. songs, great songs. That's about it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's where it falls apart. Is like, I think what Zeppelin fans, and I am one... Are willing to do when they're in the height of the throes yeah. of Zeppelin passion. Yeah. Is it like, you know what? That album's actually great. It's not. It's not great. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not. And it doesn't hold together. And just no. like, there's so much of it that's not memorable. Because You're absolutely I've, right. I've listened to Presence enough. I've listened to Presence like 50 times, yeah. and I'm like blanking on the track list. So that's right. not a good sign. You know, not a good sign. Here's um, one for you. Yeah. From, yeah. Lay it on me. I'm going to go 80s into 90s for okay. you. Um, thriller. We talked about how some of it has aged well. Some of it has aged very poorly. Like, dude, yeah. the girl is mine. Mm. Both in terms of subject matter yeah. and just overall tone tough. and cheesiness. Tough. A Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney joint. Very tough. Where they're like joking around the the whole. Well, first of all, the subject matter of the girl is mine. Right. Problematic. Ownership over a woman. It's fucked up. It yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And the, there's this banter that goes on between them. Yeah. That even when I first heard this in high school, I cringed at mm. it's like and it, of course paul and fucking michael thought this was a good idea we were like oh like michael i thought the girl was mine like, <laughs> and he's like no paul like she's my like girlfriend like you're not gonna get it from me dude it's it's it makes me feel oh, sick oh yeah that's let's let's all just forget about I that thought she was my forever lover it's like oh, dude like you, this is my so guy fucking corny yikes paul made some mishaps in terms of like choices that's why we love him it is why, why we, love we love him, him. he's flawed he was arrested and imprisoned in 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 japan for marijuana the, the funniest paul story so funny let me group three for you jake um from the back half of the 2000s i had a 90s one first oh, okay give, me, me, the 90s the 90s one. One give me the 90s one give me the 90s one i'm interested in what you think about this and i expect yeah. you to disagree but i i don't know I, there's a very specific reason for me, I think ten by Pearl Jam doesn't age all that I, well. I'm uh I don't have an opinion one way or the other on on that specific take. I can absolutely see it your way. If someone argued the other way, I'd be swayed too. I'm like right in the middle where I'm like, are we sure ten's great? I, th- I could be swung either way on that, man. I think ten is really, really fucking good, and there's still songs on here I really like. The sound of the album, it like, like it doesn't. The production's fit, fucked up. It doesn't fit in with the it era. Doesn't. It's it's produced like it's a fucking hair metal. I record. know it's true, and I, and the band knows that, and I think they did a remaster of it. Yeah, and they put out a different version. More music. I was, it, it sounds. Oh yeah, it it sounds cleaner. It's a lot. It's a lot better. Interesting. Lot There's better. so much reverb and echo yeah. on these it's riffs in this album Way and on the much. drum tone. I I will. Okay, so. For the sound alone on the original recording of 10, I'm with you. Okay. I don't agree with you if we're talking about the 10 reissue. How about that? How about that, I have not listened to the reissue. I don't even agree with myself if we're talking about the songs. Okay. Because I think the songs hold up. production, sound, fair enough. Here, I'll round it out here, Jake. Um, I'm, I'm lumping a few together from the end 
of the 2010s. Okay. In, in, into, the, into the start of the 2010s here. I have Passion Pit Manors. I have Future Islands. Kind of in general, specifically singles. And then I have Beach House Devotion. Now, these are not fair assessments. These are probably specific to me and me alone. I think when I was introduced to Manners by Passion Pit, I had not really heard indie rock sound like that before. I was very taken by it. I soon found lots of other artists that sounded like them or like them, but just better. Um, and I think Passion Pit has continued to just make the same albums kind of over and over again. Yeah. Uh, Future Islands singles, that was one that was one of our favorite albums of that year. I don't listen to Future Islands that much anymore. Uh, it, a lot of it sounds the same to me. I, it just doesn't strike me in the same way that it once did. Again, not really fair. Kind of specific to me. Beach House Devotion, though. I, I think this is a case where Beach House has actually hurt themselves retroactively by putting out albums that sound so similar to previous classics. If the last three Beach House albums don't exist... I don't think this way about Devotion. However, they've put out similar sounding albums. Devotion is now cheapened to me in a way because I'm like, oh, it's just what you always do. The myth gets dense. There's nothing as novel about this anymore. The the whole the notion of like, yeah, it's sort of like that idea of do you release a few really great yep. albums and just yep. call it? Yep. Or keep on going. Mining that. that and, yeah. and sort of like demystify yourself so th a little bit. Those are a few that maybe aren't fair because I think those are all good albums. Uh, it's I just like for me where I'm at as a music listener, I'm like, yeah, I, that was a time and place thing for all of those. I'm with you. I, and I, I'm definitely here for it on most of that. I think of those, I, I agree with Passion Pit 100%. Future Islands, I would still... I, I know this was an unpopular take in our in our friend group back when that album came out and back when you know people were really getting into Future Islands. Singles is just my favorite album, by yeah. Album, flat out, I I, I still prefer an Evening Air. I, I do. think it's better than either of those two albums that came before it yep. that were that were hot amongst yeah, other yeah, yeah, Future yeah, yeah. Islands listeners. Sure. Fair, Th they're great. I just think like, dude, I I've always felt that singles just hits on almost every track, yeah. and it's like, yeah. it's so referenceable. It's yeah. so like <laughs> she looks like. The moon, which is like maybe the worst song on it, but the, one of our funniest like inside jokes as as a friend group. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So I had one more from the two thousands, and, and it was it's really more of a question. Yeah. Than it is a statement, and it's our to quote Bill Simmons: Are we sure? Are we sure that the first Vampire Weekend album will age well? Here's uh, your answer, Jake. No, we're not sure. We're not sure. We're not sure, and we might it just might have already not have aged well. Because That's it, the bummer that I have not wanted to admit for like two years now. And the truth of the matter, I think that like Modern Vampire still sounds pretty good. It does. I think that the Contra still sounds great. Yeah, if anything, like has Contra aged sort of the best? Yes, it has. It has. Because Modern Vampires, I think it has a little bit of that Sgt. Pepper thing where it was so hailed as their masterpiece yes. when it came out. When you really it's, go back, it's like... It's uh, the pimp a butterfly to, to damn or good kid. It's like Contra's their good kid... Modern Vampires is their pimp a butterfly, but it's like with modern both black and white album covers, Jake. I don't know. There you go. Like that's all you need for an yep. analogy. The thing also about Modern Vampires is like while there are many great songs, I think people in the moment of hype overlooked some that aren't so great. Like I've never thought Fingerback is that great. Right. I've never right, loved right. Everlasting Arms. Right. And I think that those songs, like, uh, frankly. 
in the moment, I didn't even want to admit to myself I didn't like yeah, that as much. That's fair. Hudson, Hudson. is a little forgettable. It's dark. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but I, and I think the first album, like, obviously I still really like it. Um, but, like, at the time when I was getting into it, I was like, I've never heard an album like this. Right. They're, they're doing Afro pop. It's referencing so much shit that we just didn't know about at the time. We didn't know it. And I, like, I remember th- thinking and saying. It's snooty. It's snooty to be like, oh, Vampire Weekend's referencing Peter Gabriel and, like, and Paul Simon. Paul Simon. But Graceland. it's like. Yeah, but it's fucking true, man. Yeah. Like, well, it's I also insanely white centric. Yeah, because yeah. those are both heavily referencing yes. African music. Yes, it's like is... a reference of a reference. So, yeah. and it's mm. like I can see why there might have been backlash to Vampire Weekend in the I, time. Absolutely, and I can see where in the future maybe people will think like, "Hey, you know what? Isn't that cool?" Is for Ivy mm-hmm. Ivy League educated kids appropriating I think um, African music for since game. since Vampire Weekend put out Modern Vampires which was a fucking long time ago 2013 half a decade by almost no fault of their own they've lost cachet and clout in the indie world I think just for not A not putting out music in that long yeah. and B being who they are they have it's not fair but I think it's happened and I even think that way where I'm like oh Vampire Weekend's not like this monolith like they were five years ago yeah and and you know what in some ways that's a that's a fair yeah reaction i still think all three of their albums are really good but um i can't say they've aged as great as i have hoped no same same. and that actually kind of goes for all three i think especially the first and now that i'm really thinking about it kind of modern vampires i know Uh, i'm gonna be very interested to see where we rank that next year in our end of the decade list yes um so we'll see on that Jake, let's wrap up here with a release radar. Yeah. Um, so we, like we mentioned, we have Skylight by Pine Grove coming out, uh, and the other one, Jake Yandi by Kanye. Are we actually going to get it? Who knows? Is it a real album? Is it even an album? I don't know. Does it exist? We will see. Two pretty big releases coming at the end of the month here, so yeah. I'm excited. Listeners, hope you enjoyed the show, and let us know if there's any albums that you think have aged particularly well or not well hit us up on twitter at contra uh, no so at listening podcast contra radio contra radio dude a yeah. shout out wow. what a, what a wow. flashback i know big time flashback at big shout to logan atlas you know what it is i got a uh, an email on my twitter or an email from twitter for our old twitter account for the the radio show when's the last time you tweeted from that account dude years 2013 i I don't know what the login is anymore so yeah but anyways uh we'll see you next week thanks everyone okay we're on we're on back on the mics for another week um not a whole lot of pre-show stuff to say i but i will say jake <laughs> i've really been enjoying better call saul lately um, still a few behind i've been really enjoying it I, I i think i think vince gilligan and, and co have been doing a great job and as i mentioned the other night off mic uh, getting it's getting very Breaking Badish in terms of timeline, and you're starting to see lots of things that you saw in the other show. I need to catch up. 
you know what I'm getting excited for? The mood of the moment What's for that? me. What's that, Jake? Is um, preseason Celtics pictures. Oh my god! Seeing yeah. like NBA me- media day and media preview stuff in general. A couple stray thoughts. One. Sure. Kawhi's laugh is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> it is so funny. Gross. LeBron looks cool in Laker yellow. He looks so good. He just looks cool Damn. in that uniform. Um, a, a quick thing on that. It puts into context how shitty the Cavs branding and uniforms have terrible. been his entire career. Terrible. And even, you know, I, I even don't love the Heat. I think the Heat it's uniforms boring. have always looked cheap, like not iconic. Even yeah. though they haven't changed much. Even the black and red ones. I don't like think the they're... Modern iteration. I, I don't really like them that much. This is the first time LeBron's been on a truly iconic looking... It, doesn't it just look right? It lo- It does. It really does, man. Dude. Um, okay, and so pictures of Kyrie with the mini fro. Yep. So cool. Um, seeing the whole squad together. Hayward, Horford, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. It's like, dude, they're going to be world beaters. Yes. Like... They do you think they could win the finals? I think they will probably go and lose. Um, they can definitely win it. And Kyrie was actually saying in I don't know if you read the piece that Jackie McMullen wrote, but it was kind of uh, a catch up with Kyrie after all the injuries and stuff. How he's feeling? I did not. And, well, it was good. It was a good piece. It was actually like a pretty quick one. Um, and Kyrie was saying we can definitely beat the Warriors in a seven game series. He said. It's not about just beating them once. He's like, we're definitely good enough to beat them once or twice. He's like, this season is going to be really about doing the right things over and over again to get us to a point where we can beat them in seven. Because he's like, we have the talent to do it. And he's like, I've played them, you know, two years in a row in the finals. He's like, I know what they're all about. I know what it takes to beat them. And I know this team can do it. You know, it's one of my favorite things about Kyrie, dude, is like, he is fucking confident. Oh, yeah, I know. He like, and he's he's not shy about it. No. But he, he knows carries himself good. in a way that, like, he he's not cocky. No, he's... It's a quiet confidence. It's a Kyrie. quiet confidence, and he he's undeniably really fucking cool. Yes. I'm so happy that dude is on our team. I'm starting to get really excited for basketball. Like, on, on that starting five, who do you think leads scoring? I kind of think Tatum will. Uh, I think if Kyrie is 100% Kyrie, it will be him. Uh, yeah. However, if... If they're and playing true selfless ball, right? If they're all playing within the Stevens system, I think it could and would be Tatum. The thing is, too, is like he's a guard, but Kyrie Irving is one of the most effortless scorers. He'll of our get time. his, Jake. Yeah, he will, dude. Yeah. And he is so—he's such a natural offensive player. Yeah. It's so fucking fun to watch. Yeah, it's very true. Oh, I can't wait. So we a, we're only like opening a f- night, uh, like October fifteenth or something, sixteenth. Do you think uh, we will witness another uh, career borderline ending injury Dude, on we, this night? We better not. We Dude, really better not. Could you imagine how upset. much do you think that's going to be weighing on Gordon Hayward? It would weigh on me a lot. Oh, he'll be thinking about it. Yeah, I will be thinking about it so. too. Yeah, I think every. I think once he gets past like the first quarter, he'll be fine. Like, imagine if you. It might take him a few games, man. I feel like every game, yeah. as you're getting out there, warming up, yeah, he's going to be very aware of the fragility of his leg. I know. It's such a freak thing, though. Oh. You know what? Yeah, I, but it would still, if it happened to you... He's, I, I don't know this for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if he has been working with like a sports psychologist to get past that. Yeah, probably, dude. To get past dude. Like, any... And the other thing you got to think about, too, is like he, it's not like that's the first time he'll be playing he'll have been playing for months and months now but it is different being like oh it's a real game there's gonna be some rust 
Probably. I think probably. With, with them, they will probably start with a worse record than they did last year. Because last year they oh, started they off had that like, crazy streak. Yeah. What did they go like twenty and two? Yeah. yeah, they won't be that good this year. No. Or no, they lost the first three. What did they do? They I went, think they lost the first two, and then won like twenty in a row, eighteen. I think so. It was something crazy. Yeah, that I was so, so fun to watch. That was great. It was great. Um, it was great. Yeah. Do you think the Lakers have a chance? Uh, they'll no, no, no. They won't make the Western Conference Finals. They'll make the playoffs and will make it interesting in the first round for sure. Maybe get to the second round. Nothing beyond that. No. I, I think, think it's just cooler that LeBron's on the Lakers and that he. It's almost more interesting that LeBron, like we kind of know for sure, won't be in the championship mix this year, and how like that'll change his season. I think he can go to the West Finals. I think you think could. he's beating. So for that to happen, he'd have, to, have to beat, beat the either the Rockets or the Warriors in a series before the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I I don't know, man. Like maybe if we haven't seen these guys play together, you never know. Maybe Lonzo really comes on. Yeah, that's true. Kuzma has a good year. That's true. I don't know. That's true. I'm no uh, talking head, Sean. That's I'm just true. a guy who likes basketball. That's true. Uh, but isn't who else is supposed to be good in the West this year, though? Um, there's another team that's going to like... The Spurs will be in maybe third place again, like they always fucking are. Be better than the Rockets. Fuck, who is... There, there's another team in the mix there in the West. Oh, uh, the, the Thunder, dude. They, they, got, they re-signed Paul George... If Westbrook can figure out how to play with another good player, I, they could be good. Steven Adams? I think they're going to finish, like, fifth again yeah, in the conference. Yeah, probably fucking will. Watch it be, like, Lakers third. Dude, seriously, I think, like, like LeBron will put it together. The thing is, LeBron needs to, like, play really hard during the regular season to make that happen. And he has shied away from that. Why? It could just be the fact that he's been in the East. I don't know. Well, it'll be very interesting to see... How he handles the season. Yeah, this new phase of his career. Yeah. West Western Conference LeBron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, For the I'm, final I'm, act of his career, probably. Yeah. Well, unless he was like, now I'm going to go to a place with big-time tradition, the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> big-time tradition. I'm, all, I'm a tradition guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be moving my talents to the Charlotte Bobcats, who no longer exist. The only other team I'd want to see him on at this point would be be the Knicks to be honest with you uh, yeah I think that'd be cool trust tree dude the Knicks as a franchise is overrated well that's why I want them to like actually matter it'll be too little too late yeah it'll be it'll be like a sad thing do you it think any of the above do you think Jimmy Butler KD or Kyrie end up there in the next three years any of them I kind of think Kyrie's going to you do yeah, he's like he's. Well, the, a lot of stuff came out today that was like he basically all but said he's re-signing in Boston. He's been like, "Why would I go anywhere else? Like, what we have here is like, like we're really good." Oh, that's good. Okay, so I, I didn't see. These... It's more just a financial thing for him, where he's like, "Why would I sign a deal now when I could make more re-signing in the summer?" So, yeah, um, that's true. I get it. However, there's still been rumblings of. Any one of those dudes going to New York? If Kyrie gets hurt again, then I could see him going elsewhere. He'll be like Stephon Marbury yeah. on the Knicks. It'll be a star-crossed career. All we need to do is get that dude to the finals. Seriously, get him in a finals. I know, because like, dude, and he'll the, do crazy Kyrie shit. What are the odds we actually make it to the finals with that starting five? Pretty fucking good. Because like that all kind of depends on what you think the Raptors are going to be about this year. I think no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, 
Sorry. Oh. What do you what do you think the odds are that that fi- starting five all make it? Without oh, injury? healthy. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Some to none. I think you'd have to put it at yeah, yeah. It'd be very unlikely. But that's true of every team, I guess. Right. That's true. That's true. Uh, either way, I'm very excited for this season. Very excited. We gotta watch opening. Uh, yeah, opening we night. Yeah, we do. For Wait, sure. when is it again? I know you said that. It's either that Wednesday, Tuesday, or Wednesday of of that second week gotcha. in October or third week, I guess it would be. We gotta run the winds pool back too. Yeah, we do. I will. I will get that um, going. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's dive in here, Jake. This is gonna be an interesting episode. A lot of a uh, lot very of ins, a lot of outs. Interesting episode. My thinking about this episode had become very uptight, mod. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Three. Two, one.